1: flyweight champion of the world.
0: This is Fast Eddie Chambers and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man Joey Coastman.
2: Hello everybody and welcome to episode 366 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host Joey Coastman. I'm joined as ever by former heavyweight world title challenger Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, my man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. Always good when speaking with you. We're gonna dive straight into the review part. We're gonna start here at the South Bank Piazza in South Brisbane, Queensland, Australia, over here. It was on the zone. It was early hours. Um I say early hours, it would have been um Early hours of the morning, I think US time on Saturday morning, but it was kind of like midday. In fact, no, it was about 7 a.m. 7, 7, 8 a.m. Um, UK time, and the card didn't wrap up till about midday. But anyway, I'm going to fly through this card. It was on the zone, it was an Eddie Hearn show. Um, what did we have? Sky Nicholson, friend of the show, now 5 and 0. She's the new Commonwealth. Um, uh, featherweight female champion. She was able to beat Christina Jacobs who's now 6-4. and four. It was a unanimous decision there over 10 two-minute rounds. A lot of people felt that Sky might record her first stoppage as a pro, but no, it wasn't to be. Um, she boxed really well though. Uh, elsewhere on the card, Dempsey McKean is now 22-0. and He was able to TKO in just three rounds. Patrick Corte, who's now 18-2 and with a draw. That one was for the IBF Intercontinental Heavyweight title. I had no idea that Kevin Mitchell, former fighter... Um, trains Dempsey McKean, I had no idea about that, and the main event, Liam Paro, or Paro, 22-0, he's now 23-0, a KO in the very first round, a really good knockout against Brock Jarvis, who was 20-0, he loses his O, um, it was for the WBO Global Super Lightweight title, Liam Paro actually did say in the build-up that this is not a 50-50 fight like a lot of people think it is. They're over-hyping Brock Jarvis just because he's trained by Jeff Fennec. And, um, yeah, you know, I guess maybe he was right about that. Because, yeah, to, to, to wipe him out in just one round was really impressive. Moving out now to the all-female card at the O2 Arena in Greenwich, London, United Kingdom. Over here, let's fly through... This one, uh, we're going to give a mention to every female on the card. Georgia O'Connor, now 3-0. A points win over four two-minute rounds against Joyce vanny who's now 2-1-1. One, and one. Um... Friend of the show, Shannon Ryan, now 3-0. A points win over four two-minute rounds against Bushra El Quasi of Spain, who's now 3-3-3. I expected Ryan to get the knockout, but they did cut the rounds down from 6-4, to four, which was a bit annoying. Because I thought that, you know, she would probably stop her if it was a six-rounder. And it did look like she was getting close to it in that fourth and final round, so... Yes, a bit of a shame there for Shannon Ryan. Elsewhere on the card, Sarah Liegman now 6-0. and A points win over six two-minute rounds against the ever-tough. Um, Beck Connolly, who's now 3-16. Lauren Price, now 2-0. A TKO in round four against Belic. Um Shout out, by the way, to Lauren Price, because she was the only... Um, no, her and her and Caroline Dubois were the only two ladies on the card to score a knockout. So brilliant for Lauren Price. Like I say, Timia Bellick now 6-7. and seven. Lauren Price 2-0. and oh. And her partner, Karis Artingstall, went the distance once again. Um, a points win over six two-minute rounds there against Marina Sakharov. Um, I had a couple bets on this, to be honest, because it was good money that you could get on, on um, Artingstall to go the distance and win on points. And I had quite a few accumulators slash parlays riding on that. And there were a couple of shaky moments in there. But, you know, she'd only been stopped one time in 16 losses, Sakharov. And, yeah, she wasn't stopped. So she's now 5-17, and still only been stopped once. She's got two draws as well. But Arting still the perfect 2-0. and Um, What else did we have on the card? Ginny Fuch, she's now... 2-0, 2-0, she was able to beat unanimously, uh, it wasn't unanimously it was a referee who scored the contest so on points over six two minute rounds against the ever tough Gemma Roog who's now 5-5, five and five, still hasn't ever been stopped um, and also, Fuchs goes the distance for the first time. She's she's two and zero with one KO. We had April Hunter move to six and one, a points win over six two-minute rounds against Erica Alvarez, who's now three and seven. We had Ebony Jones, who's now three and zero with a draw. Um, Her fight, unfortunately, wasn't shown at all. It was completely not shown. And she was afloat, so they weren't sure where her fight was going to fit in. And in the end, she ended up fighting off TV at the very end of the night after the main event. And not many people actually saw it or even knew what the result was until... You know, pretty much the next day. So, anyway, she was able to beat Jasmina Nadd, who's now 11 and 26 with five draws. 58 56 there. So, it was quite a, cl- a close affair. Four rounds to two there for Ebony Jones. Referee Sean McAvoy's scorecard. Ebony Jones, like I say, 3 and 0 with a draw. It was a last minute replacement as well, I think. I think she had someone else who was fighting her originally, and then Jasmina Nadd stepped in. With about 48 hours notice. Uh, elsewhere on the card, Caroline Dubois. She is now 4-0, and a TKO in round 5 of a scheduled 6-rounder against Milena Koleva. Who's now 10-15 and 15 with a draw. Uh, Koleva down once in round 4 as well. And then moving to the two main fights. Going to start here with um, the co-main event. Uh, Michaela Mayer now 17-1, and one, a split decision loss over 10 two-minute rounds to Alicia Baumgartner, who's now 13-1. Um, and one. It was for the IBF, IBO, WBC, and WBO Super Featherweight World titles. I'm going to run through this fight itself, my analysis. Um, round 1 I gave to Michaela Mayer. Round 2 I gave to Baumgartner. Round 3 I gave to Mayer. Um, I felt that Baumgartner was doing a lot of talking, um, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, talking rather than um, putting punches together, I felt, in round three. Um, and yeah, she was making noises when Maya would miss, trying to taunt her, stuff like that. Maya wasn't verbally responding, she was just, I felt, focusing on the task at hand. But at times, I think it was working, here and there, because Maya was trying, I felt, to rush her work a little bit. And she was being caught sometimes coming in, um, getting a little bit too eager. Um, but I still gave her that third round I gave her the fourth round as well I felt that Maya was starting to up the pace um, and up the pressure Baumgardner's output dropped a little bit Maya was starting to measure her shots better, she was hitting Baumgardner with, with one-twos you know, repeatedly, so I had it 3-1 for Maya after four rounds round five, I again gave to Maya, I felt she was starting to take over, there was a moment early in the round where the pair were exchanging straight right hands, simultaneously like boom 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 they did it about three times and maya's punches with that longer reach slightly had more oomph in them and she got the better of every single one that they threw so 4-1 i had it to maya i gave round six to maya um again i felt she was getting the better of the action i felt as the fight would wear on, that Mayer would probably handle the distance better than Baumgardner. So I was excited to see how the, how, uh, the later rounds would play out. But again, 5-1 on my card to Mayer after six rounds. Round 7 I gave to Baumgardner. She started to come on strong. Um, Mayer got caught with a few hard shots early in the round. And to, to be fair to Maya, she did come on to finish strong in that Seventh round, but I think she lost a round in you know with the early work of of Baumgardner, and also that was when Maya got caught and um, cut on her right eye. Um, round eight, I gave to Baumgardner, so two rounds in a row now. It was a close round, but I felt that she just about edged it. Again, she had success with some meaty hooks, and um, yeah, she finished strong that round there. Um, so five three. I had it after 8 rounds. Round 9 was a really close round. If I had to give it to someone, I'd edge it to Maya. But I think there's argument for a 10-10, to be honest with you. Um, so I'm going to give it a 10-10. So I've got 5 rounds to 3 with 1 even. And then round 10 was a really close round to finish the fight, and I edged it to Maya just, but again, it was really close. So, in the end, I had it 6-3 for Maya with one even round, but of course, if you give that even round uh, to to Baumgardner, it becomes a 6-4 fight. And I felt that two of the ten rounds were, were really close. So, like I say, one of them I gave to Maya. the other one, just to be... I felt it was a 10-10 round, but just to be fair, I'm going to give it to Baumgardner. It would still be 6-4. So either way, it was a really close fight. 6-4 is a really close uh, really close fight, of course, over 10 two-minute rounds. But I felt that May nicked it. Um, I know that you saw that fight, Eddie, um, probably just highlights of it. But tell me what you saw from what you did see.
0: I, I liked the fight a lot. I think they showed actual... I'm not, not saying that the women don't show skill because we've seen great fights from the women, but they really showed like it. It was sometimes you would think, like, damn, those are women in their are fighting. It was really, they were, they were, they were, uh, they showed skill. They, they put, it was, you know, there was steam on the shots. You know what I mean? It was quality shots, good punch selection for the most part. I did think, though, at times uh, Baumgartner was taking chances trying to throw those right hands. And like the one situation you mentioned when they, exchanging right hands. I' am like that's kind of like a silent agreement to try to <laughs> try to tie who got the better right hand and it's like, well you know it's interesting and it, it works well but like you said for Michaela Mary like she got a little bit of the better of it because of the range. although I did see some stuff in the fight, especially toward the end more you know more toward the end, the Baumgartner was really showing class. she was doing some good stuff you know with her with, uh, some of the counter shots some left hook counters. Uh, even in right hand counters it was it was it was really really nice it was an excellent fight to watch skill fight to watch for anybody not just for females you know what i mean it was a good 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 interesting fight um i gotta agree i don't know how it could from from the highlights it's hard to tell from the highlights and i watched the highlights and i once again i tried to watch some of the actual full fight and just to kind of get a gist a gist of what the rounds were like um but it looked, even with the highlights, kind of like Michaela Mayer was in control at, you know, a, a little more than what Alicia Baumgong or at least in the highlights. I mean, so like she was trying to fight, I think, a little bit too much at range with the taller fighter, and not as successful with it. She did make her miss. She did, you know, land some good counter punches, and but it just looked a little bit like Michaela Mayer might have been a little at a little bit of an edge uh, in the fight. But I didn't. I didn't fully watch it, so I can't really say. I do, however, like Alicia Baumgartner a lot. She's got a lot. to do. She brings a lot to the table, skill-wise, and of course, Michaela Mayer as well. So I was really, really impressed with the overall fight. Honestly, I would love if they would do that again. You know what I mean? Obviously, uh, uh, you know, to see women, you know, women boxing at this level with obviously this fight and then the main event, and even the other fights on the card, all women's card is, is really good for the women. It's really good to see. This is a really qual- This is a real, real quality product that they're putting out, and and this is gonna definitely do th- big things for women's boxing in the future.
2: Yeah, and again, this review part this week I think is gonna be quite, um, quite, quite, quite long-winded. There's a lot obviously to go over, so I'm gonna keep it really short and sweet with um, with you know the aftermath of that fight. It was a great fight. It's just a shame that Baumgardner seemingly. Um, you know, straight away, shut down any any chance of a rematch. Um, we'd obviously love to see it again. Maya, the following day, was interviewed leaving the fight hotel, saying that you know, really, she thinks there probably will be a rematch, and it's because Baumgartner doesn't really have anywhere else to go. If you want a big payday, that is the biggest payday on the table. So I hope we do see it again. But there was obviously there was obviously talk that Maya was eyeing a move up in weight as well. So. I hope she can still make the weight you know and be strong at the weight because when you when you see a you know a fighter that that talks about moving up in weight for the next fight and then they lose that that fight there that they expected to win you almost think okay if you've got to make the weight all over again are you going to be at your best so I don't want to see a depleted version of Michaela Mayer but anyway I'd love to see the fight again I just think that even across social media Mayer at this present moment hasn't Yet been back on Twitter, she hasn't p- tweeted anything since before the fight. Baumgardner has tweeted a few things, and she's not coming across very classy. I don't really like that. Um, you know, there's 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 obviously build up and tension and dislike for one another sometimes in fights before the fight, but I like when the fight is done and dusted that the two fighters shake hands and put the beef in the past, but it seems like she wants to carry it on. Um, two fighters that did have a lot of beef and have, after the fight, I guess shook hands and and um, shown each other respect and um, and good sportsmanship is the main event. Let's get on to it right here. Clarita Shields now 13-0, and a unanimous decision over 10 two-minute rounds against savannah marshall who is now 12 and 1 it was for the ibf wba wbc and wbo female world middleweight titles um i'm gonna i'm gonna start by just saying that i i picked savannah marshall to win i thought that she could potentially stop her but i was i was leaning more towards points and i did think that whoever um is is the fighter coming forward would would get the get the um get the nod and i did think that savannah was the aggressor for a lot of the fight i think she was the one who was on the front foot the most but of course you have to land stuff as well and i was quite surprised at her lack of output at times and also her her feet like her footwork was was incomparable to that of shields i'm gonna run through the fight though. first round i gave to shields um Shields very early on as well. If you remember, caught Marshall with a big flurry and yeah, won the round. It was a really good start by Shields. I don't think she hurt Marshall too much, but yeah, I was uh, I was starting to think though that Marshall's probably enjoying the fact that Shields is confident enough to exchange with her. That's what I thought in that first round. It turned out to be quite wrong because I didn't think that Marshall made the most of it when Shields was willing to trade. But round two I gave to Shields. She was really sharp. She was beating Savannah to the punch. Not everything was getting through, but she was outworking Savannah. Savannah wasn't using her famously great jab. I was wondering where it was. She was just trying to walk into range, and it just wasn't working. She was being caught by, like I say, the much more um, faster fighter in Shields. Shields won the third round for me again. Too sharp, too skillful. We were starting to see the the difference in 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 IQ as well, le- the the level of the IQ. Um, yeah, that was on display. Round four, another round for for Clarissa. She was starting to dominate the fight already. It was getting to the point where Savannah would need to win every round. Savannah, I didn't think had put a dent in Shields at all in those first four rounds, even though you know, we we know otherwise as boxing fans, Shields did actually look like the puncher in there, which was mad, and, and Marshall was starting to look really gangly and untidy, and, 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 you know, it was starting to get to a point in the fight, really, where, I guess, desperation had to kick in at some point, I was wondering when we were going to see Marshall throw the kitchen sink, um... Round 5 was a better round for Savannah. I, I still edged it to Shields, but it was definitely a better round. Um, it was the best round of the fight so far for Savannah, but yeah, again, on my card, she needed to, f- to, to to finish the fight strong, but I started to think as well that she looked a little bit more tired at that point. Round 6 was a really, really close round. Savannah, for me, was winning it, but it might have just been pinched by Shields in the dying seconds of the round. Marshall you know, like I say, needed to empty the tank. It was a close round, though, round six. You could sympathetically give it to Marshall. Round seven was pretty much exactly the same as the as the round before, round six. Savannah was winning it, and then Shields closed the round really strong. And it was a really hard one to score, you know, two in a row. Identical rounds in my eyes. Um Yeah, I still couldn't see Savannah winning this fight at this point, even if the judges were corrupt and even if you'd given her round 6 and 7 that were really close um, round 8 really close close round until the last 20 seconds and Shields once again finished strong and that was just reminding me that the experience was was showing through here and um, Savannah was was, uh, really confused it seemed on how to use her size, use her jab efficiently, she couldn't set anything up Um, Anything up. Round 9, I did give to Savannah. That was the only clear round I gave to Savannah. I was hoping for a big finish in round 10. Round 10, um, Savannah um, just about clinched that final round for me. Uh, She was gasping for air in the last few seconds, and... I was starting to think as well, what are these scorecards going to look like? Maybe my scorecard is miles off, but I had it in the end 8 2 for Shields. But three of the rounds I felt were really close, those rounds being 6, 7, and 8. And like I say, I gave round 9 and 10 to Savannah. Um, But yeah, I actually felt that Marshall um, was probably Clarissa Shields' biggest threat to her undefeated record across. The the weight classes that Shields can make, 154, 160, 168. I felt the biggest threat in all of those weight classes is Marshall. And now, after the way she dominated Savannah Marshall, I wouldn't mind betting already that Clarissa could potentially retire undefeated. With this current crop of women, I don't think she can be beaten. It was really impressive, Eddie. Um, again, I, 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 would, I kind of felt that if it was going to be close, they would probably give it to Savannah. You know, there'd be a a, a massive rematch, and, and I couldn't see Shields really winning on points in this country, but I was wrong. She won, and she dominated, and they couldn't take it away from her.
0: Yeah, sometimes it's, uh, it's hard, to, it's hard to take a fight. You know what I mean? Even if that was what the, uh, the idea was in that situation, if it was close, you know what I mean? And even in, and if it's close and you can flip a coin, who's the winner, then, you know, who says that she doesn't deserve it anyway. You know, she fought her way to that point. But in this case, you know, even what I seen of the fight, which I seen, you know, bits and pieces, but I also seen the entire uh, highlights. It was just really a lot of, I think it was the, the speed advantage. And I and the, I, the speed and the IQ, I gotta agree with the IQ thing too, uh, Joe. But the speed, I think, is what really separated everything. And even thinking about how she is as a fighter, and in, in, in most of the and a lot of the fights that I've seen of her, it's been generally a good speed and, and, and accuracy uh, display, which is what really sets her apart from you know the competition. And like you said you feel that Savannah was probably the biggest uh, threat to her within these weight classes. And even with that, it's just she's a, 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 it's a tad bit higher, a little maybe on another level than who, you know, than her competition. So it's just it makes it difficult
2: uh,
0: to think of anybody that's going to be able to beat her. And even before this fight, I, you know, we kind of uh, semi agreed on what you know, may happen as far as the judges are concerned if it went to a decision, being if it was kind of close or there was a way for, you know, there to be a little bit of a salty decision there. But I think from just what I was just just watching it, just seeing what she was able to do, how she was able to command the ring, uh, the, the difference in speed, the difference in accuracy, you know, just the overall difference in level, I think as good a fighter, as great, A female fighter, as I don't want to say female fighter, as great a fighter as Savannah Marshall is, she's just not able to step up to that level. I don't think. You know what I mean? I think is that I think the speed, skill, and and and, uh, IQ is really what sets them apart. And it's uh, it's hard to imagine that if they fought ten times that she wouldn't win nine of ten or ten of ten. You know what I mean? So um, she's a good. She's a she's still a great fighter. She still has a future she still has you know star power especially in the UK there's things that she can do in the sport there's no need to walk away even though I understand if she decided man if I can't beat the best then what's the point in doing it but uh yeah uh great fight Clarissa Shields look great um and I'm just looking forward to the next chapter in uh women's boxing it was a hell of a show
2: yeah it really was and moving on to this card at the Olympia in Liverpool Merseyside United Kingdom um I think they showed this card on Probellum.com or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't get to see it. But Jazza Dickens, friend of the show, now 32-4. and A unanimous decision over 12 rounds against Lorato Dlamini, who's now 18-2. It was for the vacant IBO featherweight world title. Scores in the end of 116-112 and 115-113 twice. Um... On the undercard, Peter McGraw with a win, five and zero, a retirement win in round five against Alexander Espinoza. He retired on his store at the end of uh, of uh, round five. Didn't want to come out for round six. He was also down in round four. He is now twenty one and five with two draws at Espinoza and Joe McGraw on the undercard as well, six and zero now a points win over six rounds against Alexander Taylor. So they're both both the brothers box people called Alexander. Um, but yeah, anyway, they both won. Joe McGraw did actually get cut in round two from a head clash, but was able to win on points. Like I say, moving out now to the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York, USA. This one was live on Fox Pay Per View, and I actually bought this card on Fight TV for thirteen pounds because I thought that the card, you know, had had the decent value actually. So I went for it. I didn't, I didn't stream it. I decided to to actually buy it. Um, on the undercard, Michelle Rivera now twenty-four and zero, a unanimous decision over eight rounds against Jerry Perez, who's now fourteen and two. He's the guy that, by the way, uh, Rivera looks like a really small version of Muhammad Ali. Um, elsewhere on the card, we had Gergen Hovanesian move to four and zero. He was able to beat Michael Polite-Coffee, who's now 13-3. and 3. Uh, Polite-Coffee retired on his store at the end of round six of a scheduled eight-rounder. Um, Hovannessian was winning the fight quite easily, to be honest. It's just crazy, because Michael Polite-Coffee was a guy who people were high on. He was a heavyweight prospect. He got in there and knocked out Damani Rock. And then he had his entire career derailed by Jonathan Rice, who, you know, people, I guess, kind of look at him as a gatekeeper and he lost to him first the first time by knockout then they had a rematch he lost on points and he gets in with this guy here who was only 3 and 0 had a decent amateur career mind you but you know 3 and 0 as a pro you lose to a guy like this you're in big trouble and he did lose and he lost convincingly and um, he's now an opponent he's not an A side fighter just like that um, Eddie, you've unmuted. Was you going to say something about that?
0: I, just one thing. I am wow, wow. I'm not, You know, I'm less shocked about this win because this guy must be something special in the, for the, for his people to say, "Hey, I'm going to put him in with this guy, Michael Coffee." You know, but wow, to see how f- meteoric rise, meteoric fall. It's unbelievable how fast he just dropped off, and he looked good like he beat Darmani Rock and I was like damn this guy's guy's pretty serious then he goes in with John Rice and gets stopped and then beat and handily and and comfortably and then then this fight it's just like man it's unfortunate but that tells you how important confidence is and I really feel like his confidence was severely dented by Jonathan Rice and that's probably what the cause of this situation is
2: whatever it's his career whatever he chooses to do is up to him I guess um Elsewhere on the card, we had Frank, who I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've renamed him after what you said last week, Eddie, because you were 100 percent right. I'm gonna call him Frank No Urgency Sanchez. He's now 21 and 0, a TKO in round nine against Carlos Negrón, who is generally tough and durable. But um, I'm, I'm kind of kicking myself because I wanted to bet on Sanchez getting the stoppage in like round nine or ten, and I didn't do it. And um, yeah, he 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 was kind of lucky to get it in in round nine in the end because he just didn't put his foot on the gas. And it reminded me of what you were saying last week about when he boxed um, Efia Jagba. And there's opportunities there, and it's just like he likes to just posture and walk around. And he's in no rush whatsoever. This guy, but like I say, twenty-one and Carlos Negron, twenty-five and four. It was for the WBC Continental Americas and WBO NABO heavyweight title. Um, good knockout in the end when he finally caught him, but, yeah, there was a few moments that Negron was even having, because he was allowing him to get into the fight at times when he didn't need to allow him to get in, and he could have kept him under control if he wanted to, to do it.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's just, it's, just it's, it's it's difficult, you know, with this guy, he, he shows a lot of ability, he's got the skill, he's got the power, he's got the speed, he's got all that, and, and it's just like, he's, he just doesn't have the urgency, it's like, you know, he, he the fight could be close at the end, and because of his lack of urgency, he would normally be boss in the fight. He normally be winning the fight, but if somebody's in there who's busy, who has a somewhat of an awkward style, give him, can get really seriously give him trouble. He puts himself in danger of losing fights that are close when he steps up, especially once you, once you step up and you start fighting the real top level competition. There's not very much to separate you all the time, so you don't want to give opportunity for people you know leave leave things on the table you got to go and you got to snatch it you got to take it even if, if, if you're not going to be if you're not great defensively then you got to do it on the offensive side you know what I mean and I see with him he, it's not that he's not great defensively I just think he's he's just he's just very lackluster in, 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 in his activity you know what I'm saying be that be that uh especially on especially on offense especially when the fight as as you've seen with this one started to get not close he was winning of course but he still let the guy get in you know what i mean you can't allow those things to happen especially when you step up so um my advice to him would be to definitely pick up the pace you don't have to punch overly uh, the crazy amount of times and put yourself in harm's way but definitely pick up the pace because people are going to not only they're not only, they're not only going to avoid the fight but then there's some that will be able to even steal fights from him. So it's just like, don't put yourself in that position. Be more active. Get the fight done.
2: And moving on to the next fight, where should we go here? Um, Gary Antonio Russell, friend of the show, loses his O. He's now 19-1. and 1, A technical decision after 10 rounds of a scheduled 12 against former world champion Emmanuel Rodriguez, now 21-2. and 2. Um You know, I couldn't ever really get my head around the fact that Rodriguez was such a big underdog. And I said it on last week's show. I said he's got a loss to Inouye. I mean, there's no shame in that. And his other loss was a complete out-and-out robbery. So, to think that he can be such a big underdog against Gary Antonio Russell, who is not Gary Russell Jr. You know, like, I kind of feel like just because he's the brother of Gary Russell and they're, you know, they're all... Uh, you know, good fighters, that for some reason he's a little bit overhyped with the bookies. So yeah, I thought that Emmanuel Rodriguez could, you know, could, could upset the odds, if you like, in this situation. So you could triple your money if you bet on him to win on points, or that would also cover a technical decision, and that is what happened. Um, he dominated the fight against Gary Antonio Russell, and I wanted Russell to win. I do like Gary Antonio Russell. Um, but yeah, Rodriguez was just too cute for him really. And he hurt him several times in the fight. Several times. There was times where I was literally betting on the fight in play during the fight and I, I was betting on the knockout. I thought we could get him out of there. It looked like he could get him out a few times in the fight. Um, but yeah, in the end, there was a head clash, and Rodriguez, I mean, he was kind of like, there was a small little wound, kind of like on his cheekbone, maybe just between his, his, his eye and his cheekbone, and he said, you know, like he, he it was a headbutt, no doubt about that, and then he, he I don't want to say made a meal out of it, because we really don't know, but he was saying he couldn't see, and I mean, there was no blood running into his eye, he was claiming he couldn't see. It seemed like he was trying to find a way out of the fight. And I found it a little bit suspicious how the doctor, within like half a second, was saying that, oh, apparently, uh, you know, it could potentially be a fractured eye socket. He seemed to diagnose that within about 10 seconds. And I, I don't know. I mean, it's a bit of a weird ending, but he was in full control with Manuel Rodriguez. And he would have won if he fought for another two rounds. But it was what it was. Um, he wins the fight, and um, he dominated, completely dominated. So Gary Antonio Russell loses his O. Moving up the card once again, uh, Caleb Plant now 22-1. and um, A KO in round nine against Anthony Durrell. One punch left hook knockout. Anthony Durrell now 34-3 and with two draws. Um, Caleb Plant... On my card, won every single round, and I'm looking at the official cards here. And after eight rounds, because there was eight completed rounds, um, they had it eight to zero and and seven to one twice. So my scorecard was there or thereabouts. I wasn't actually scoring it round by round, but I was thinking, well, plant one that one, plant one that one. You know, I didn't give a single round to Darrell. Um, sadly, the fight clashed with Haney Cambosos too. And I had to make the decision, which one am I going to watch? So I decided to watch Plant Darrell instead of Haney-Cambosos 2. Usually in this situation, where I've got to pick a fight, I would choose the fight that I felt would be the most exciting to watch. And I expected them both to go the distance, and both not to be that exciting. Um, So I went with the fight that I hadn't already seen before. So I didn't watch Cambosos-Haney. And I was extremely impressed with Caleb Plant. I'm glad I made the choice to watch that fight. I was I was really impressed with his stabbing jab, particularly the jab to the body of Darrell. Um, and just the jab in general. He really shoots it out. He didn't throw a single, lazy, telegraphed, slow jab all night long. He was pot-shotting Darrell. He was measuring the distance perfectly. He was firing right hands to the body of Darrell. It was a surgical breakdown. And just as I was typing these notes down, that was when he, he hit rail with that left hook. Boom! And, yeah, the left hook was obviously thrown during an exchange and it slept Darrell. Darrell, I mean, mm, slept him, that might be pushing it, but it was it was a brutal knockout. Um, Darrell, of course, had made fun of Plant before the fight, saying he couldn't punch. And, obviously, Plant had made him eat those words. Um, yeah, huge one-punch knockout, arguably knockout of the year. And, I don't know if you caught this, Eddie, but before the fight, Anthony Darrell did an interview with someone and he said that he hated Caleb Plant. And Caleb Plant made a point to keep bringing up the fact that Darrell hates him. And at the press conference on Fight Week, he said, you know, like, you're too emotional, like, you, you... you hate me. You don't even know me. Like, how can you hate me when you don't even know me? How can you hate someone you don't even know? And then Darrell kept saying, why would you keep talking about that, man? Why would you keep bringing that up? Well, we know why. Because Plant walked to the ring with a t-shirt on that said, you don't have a reason to hate me. And everyone's looking at, looking at him walk to the ring and we're thinking, what? He's taking it a bit far now. He's made a t-shirt. And then, of course, after knocking him out, and after doing that celebration of the, the grave digging, which was a bit distasteful, to be honest, he then puts on a T-shirt that says, but now you do. So once again, he walks to the ring with a T-shirt that says, you don't have a reason to hate me. And then he knocks him out and puts on a T-shirt that says, but now you do. Brutal. Savage from from Caleb Plant. There was bad blood there, Eddie. Um, and yeah, it looks, like, it looks like a little bit like Baumgartner <laughs> and Mayer. They have not... Sorted things out with what they did in the ring.
0: <laughs> Definitely not. I don't. I don't know. I really don't know what it is. You know. Sometimes you, you look at a guy and it's like I don't like him. You know what I mean? For some reason, you don't know him. You don't really have a reason to per se, but it's just something about him you don't like. And I I understand that feeling. But I would never say I hated someone without really understanding who they are as a person i can look at somebody like a wilder for example i have nothing against wilder i don't hate him i i don't even i don't dislike anything about him H- even his boxing style i've given him credit for getting to the point he has with honestly not very not very many skills but i i but i looked at him and i was just like how is this guy able to do this you know what i mean and you get you know you start getting in your feelings a bit and you start saying man I'm some like 10 million times the skill level of this guy, but he has that right hand, and that's all he needs, and he's 6'7", and you start to hate a little bit. So maybe I'm thinking if, you know, Darrell was looking at him and was saying, man, how the hell is this dude? He, he fucking L.O., he did all right, but, you know, he, maybe, you know, I'm better than him. I'm this, I'm that. And you start looking at a guy like that who maybe you know, he's kind of clean, you know, he got a, a decent image. And then you just say, I don't really like this guy. You know what I mean? I think, he's, I think he's corny. He's not being real. You know what I mean? Or whatever. So it's like, maybe that was what Darrell had with him. But Caleb Plant went ahead and turned that knife all the way over. He said, look. He said, I'm going to turn this into something serious. He went and got a t-shirt made. You know, that was classic. I ain't going to lie. I don't feel like... I don't know if it was distasteful or not. I'm not going to say that. The grave digging, maybe. You know what I mean? Because the guy's on the ground. He could have been he could have been seriously hurt. It was a hell of a knockout. But the shirt though, I, I like the shirt though. I kind of like the shirt. But um I think now that the fight's over, you know, I would hope. And I've seen I've seen a um a video that Anthony Durrell did giving credit and saying he doesn't hate him and you know, all of that, and saying, you know, congratulations, champ, on the one great fight. Um and I and I like that. You know what I mean? It you know, the fight's over, you know, bury the hatchet. You know, we we saw Caleb Plant do exactly what I – I mean, not necessarily the knockout. I thought he was going by decision. But I figured he would outbox Darrell at this point in his career. Darrell is just not what he once was either, I don't believe, even though he's done some good things recently. Um, but just not at the caliber that Caleb Plant is right now. So um, it, it was an interesting fight. <laughs> and you see a lot of the roughhouse tactics with uh, with uh, Anthony Darrell you know, early on, doing some things to kind of get in his head. But I think Caleb Plant kept a cool, cool head. He boxed really well. And then, of course, put the icing on the cake with the knockout.
2: Yeah, it was a really good performance from Plant. And I swear, man, like, he performed so impressive to me that I think, aside from, obviously, Canelo at 168, he could be the best fighter. I really I really mean that. I mean, yeah, I think he could be the best fighter at 168. Oh, you've unmuted possibly. yourself quickly there. No,
0: yeah. I, I, <laughs> no, I was just saying possibly.
2: Actually, I mean, I've always... Actually, yeah, him and David Benavidez, Benavidez might be better. Oh, right. Him. Yeah, you got to be careful oh, yeah. when he's <laughs> in. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We'd have to see them in the ring together, to be honest. I yeah, mean, yeah. Caleb Plant, I think he's a she's a really sharp one-punch guy, you know, pot shotter, you know, really sharp. Obviously got more power than we thought he had. Um, But, yeah, it, it's hard to say with Benavidez, but that's a hell of a division, you know, with those two guys. And if there's some, you know, some guys that decide to move up and, and get on in there. It's going to be even more interesting.
2: Yeah, I think I'd favour him over the likes of Daniel Jacobs at this point. I'd favour him against um, Billy Joe Saunders, even though you know we're probably not going to see him in a ring again potentially, but definitely not a super middle. Um, I wouldn't have thought. But yeah, I think I think he was that impressive. I thought I, I thought it was really, 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 um, really impressive. And moving up to the main event you spoke about him a moment ago, Eddie, when you were giving that example in comparison. Deontay Wilder now forty three and two with a draw. A knockout in the very first round against Robert Hellanius, now thirty-one and four. I said it on last week's show that the, the money that you could get for Wilder to stop him within the first six rounds was was quite a good return on your money. Um and 1 to 4 as well rounds 1 to 4 was quite nice and rounds 1 to 2 was even better of course so i always felt he'd get him within the first 6 rounds i thought the first 4 rounds he could potentially get him as well and i thought there's a small chance potentially as well in the first 2 rounds so i bet on all of that and they all of course came in when he stopped him in the first round so i had a successful um, week of betting on the on, on the fights but yeah i wasn't i wasn't Surprised at all? I I, I said it like I, f- I felt like he really could end it in in a couple of rounds, and um, yeah, I, I mean it's typical Wilder. I mean from what I did see in the first in the, in that first round or what we saw of that first round, it was a bit weird from Wilder. To me, he looked a little bit like worried, a little bit like you know on the back foot, wide eyed, um, being very cautious. helenius was being the aggressor, and then yeah, boom, he caught him with. With that right hand, um, it didn't travel very far, but he caught him coming in, he walked right into it. One punch, KO, um, and good night for Hellenius. Um, yeah, I don't know what to read into it, Eddie, because I still don't know what he's got left after after that third fight with Fury, and it wasn't long enough to see it, but it is impressive nonetheless to get Hellenius out in just one.
0: Yeah, 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 <laughs> in one round. I mean, we would have fought you know, with Hellenius' recent success, Though that doesn't have anything to do with the kind of guy he was going in with this fight. so uh, you know it's it's just it's is it's when I look at when I look at Wilder sometimes and you know I'm like I said I'm not hating it. I just look at his style and say, how does this guy do it? I that right my right hand must be whew, it must be Thor's hammer. you know what I mean that thing must be unbelievable. But then some of the things that you see, like I actually seen. You know, Helene going to the body, but leaning in, throwing wild shots, not wild, but wider shots to the body, a little fat. And like I said, leaning in head first. And I just, for the life of me, could not understand why anyone fighting Deontay Wilder would ever sit on the line in the middle throwing body shots, especially as he's got his back somewhat to the ropes and you're coming in where there's nowhere for him to go, which means in a lot of cases, guys will throw a right hand or something coming off the ropes, especially if you come up short with your shots. And I'm just like, you know, the, certain things, I mean, I, you know, I'm not going to, you know, accuse Alanius of being a great uh skill fighter or whatever, but I think he had, I thought he had a little more IQ than what he was doing. I think, the game plan was to go to the body, take some of the steam out. You know, he's he's been off for a little while. It's, a, you know, a, a pretty decent layoff form. So let's let's go in and, and, and remind him of what Fury did. I get it. You know, body punches, you know, rough him up, be aggressive. And I like that. I like what he was doing. But I think it was, once again, I think it was also smart thinking of Wilder. And looking at Wilder actually came in light again. Not thinking so much about trying to be big and trying to put weight on to combat uh, someone else's size, which was smart. Stick to your strengths. That weight does not help your right hand any more than than if you had it. Or if you didn't, you know what I mean. So it was. I think that was smart. But just watching Heleneas do what he was doing, and I I understand the aggression. I understand attacking his right hand and attacking him in general, and making him on putting him on the back foot. But you can't do it. Put your head on the line. You got to move that head, and you can't take chances, especially going to the body, putting your head directly in the middle, right where that right hand could land. It's just I think I think the 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 plan was good, but just now just not well executed. And I think that's really at the end of the day, would put Helenius in the position that uh, he he is now. Well, putting him on the floor. Let's say. And, uh, you know, hopefully, hopefully he's all right. You know what I mean? I'm obviously, I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure he is. Ego's probably a little hurt and his opportunity's gone. But hey, the money's going to help. So, uh, you know, congratulations to Wilder. You know, same thing happens. I'm not sure what's going to happen in the future. I'm not sure he's going to get in the ring, but he'll always be dangerous with that right hand for sure.
2: Yeah, we'd love to see the Anthony Joshua fight next for Wilder. That'd be brilliant, but that's a conversation for another day. As for Hellenius, sometimes he's got about as much head movement as a statue. Um, Moving out to the final card to mention, it took place at the Rod Laver Arena in Melbourne, Victoria, Australia. There you go. The accent has come through for anyone that wanted to hear it. Probably no one. Um, let's talk about the undercard. Lorenzo Truck Simpson, now 12 0. A unanimous decision there over six rounds against Marcus Haywood, who's now 6 and 5 with a draw. We had friend of the show, Susie Ramadan. She was on a few weeks ago. She's now 29 and 4. She came up short, unfortunately, in her IBF World Super Bantamweight. Uh, title fight against the champion Shanika Johnson, who's now 15-1, and won, um, a unanimous decision there over 10 two-minute rounds against Suzy Ramadan, like I say. Um, the referee in that fight was terrible, by the way, terrible, he was taking points off of Ramadan almost for no reason, um, I've got to say, there was a cut on Shanika Johnson that was probably the worst cut i've ever seen a woman sustain in boxing and credit to johnson for continuing with that horrific cut right above her eye it looked like it was like a slice man it was it was massive you know they were like putting the you know the, the, the cotton the cotton bud over it and it was disappearing inside the cut almost it was horrible man it looked like you could like i don't know put a cd in, in, inside it uh, it was terrible um yeah, terrible, and uh, you know she showed a lot of heart to come through and carry on fighting. And then, yeah, it took a few rounds to get it under control. By the end of it, it seemed to stop bleeding, but <laughs> the doctor was having a look for a couple of rounds in a row, and I've got no idea why he even bothered to look because it, it was terrible, and he still allowed it to 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 continue. Um, but yeah, shout out to Susie Ramadan as well. You know she. She had all those points taken off, and she's only had one fight since 2020, and she's 43 years of age, and she was still, you know, pouring it all out in round rounds nine and ten. Um, so yeah, credit to her. What a brilliant athlete she is. And moving up the card once again, friend of the show, Andrew Maloney with a win now 25 and 2. A unanimous decision there over 10 rounds against Norbelto Jimenez, who's now 31 and 10 with six draws. That one was for the vacant WBO International Superflyweight title. Also on the card, the twin brother Jason Maloney also has 25 wins and two. Losses, he also won unanimously, but he went 12 rounds instead of 10 against Nawafon Kaikana, the guy with the incredibly padded record now, 56-2 and with a draw. I expected Jason Maloney to get him out of there, but no, it wasn't to be. And the main event, as I said, I didn't actually watch it. I saw little bits between rounds sometimes. Devin Haney, 29-0, and still the undisputed lightweight champion of the world. He went back over to Australia. Credit to him for going back over there and you know i guess up in his game slightly again you know cuz he he won so easily first time round i kind of felt sorry for him i know he's getting paid loads of money to do this but to go back to the united states and fly back to to Australia after a long training camp again for the same guy that you've beaten. I don't think he even really needed to train to win this fight, but he is very professional, Devin Haney. That's one thing no one can knock him for. And George Cambosos Jr. now 20 and two again. I really like George Cambosos. Said it so many times. Really cool guy. Got a lot of time for him. A lot of respect for him, but. He's just not on the same level as Haney. Styles make fights, and it's just not a good style matchup for him. Haney is extremely textbook, and, you know, he's got fantastic athleticism. He's big for the weight. There's a lot of things that work in Haney's favour. You know, he's got a lot of tricks in the book, and he's just too textbook and too, too much IQ, really, for George Cambosos. Cambosos. Put him in there with a big banger. I give him a chance. Put him in there with a guy who, you know, is, is is let's say long and long and tall for the weight, has a long reach, doesn't hit so hard. You could you could put him in there with him. But a guy that's as good as Haney is, as good as as he is in terms of being technically sound, has everything down to a T. Can do so many different things in the ring. It's just not a fight that he's going to look good in. It doesn't matter. He is never going to look good against Haney. And that's why I decided to not watch the fight. And I decided to watch Caleb Plant instead. And um, from what I did see, it was pretty much the same as the first one. No knockdowns. Yeah, Haney's given him 24 rounds of a beatdown. And I'm not sure if he lost even maybe two rounds over that that 24-round fight. You may as well say they had. So all the best to Haney as well. Seems to be getting better and better. He looked he looked horrendous, by the way, on the scales, it has to be said. He looked really dry um, and drawn as well, like his eyes sunk back in his head. So I'm not sure if we're going to see him at lightweight for too much longer. But if he moves to 140, what an exciting division. And of course, if he relinquishes all the titles at 135, then it makes it exciting for all those guys just, just in that contender position. So... The future will be exciting, I think. But anyway, that wraps up the review part of the show. Like I said, there was loads to go over. That brings this part to a close. The final thing for me to do in this part of the show is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the reigning and undefeated British super welterweight champion. It is, of course, Mr. Troy Williamson. Troy, welcome back on the show, my man. Yeah, thank you for having me that. No problem. No problem. Always a pleasure, Troy. So we last spoke back in October of last year, um, a year ago this week, actually. At the time, you were fresh off that win over Ted Cheeseman in what was an excellent fight. Since then, you've boxed twice, um, the first of the two, obviously making your first defense against Mason Cartwright, which for me was a, a tougher fight than I expected it to be. Obviously, you were down in round two. Tell me about that fight briefly. Another really good fight, though, Troy.
1: Yeah, it was a good fight for
2: for everybody watching
1: and for everybody who Had had a mean to come sport. Um, I knew I knew obviously what Mason was all about. A lot of people didn't because, in my opinion, he just obviously hadn't had the opportunity to showcase what he's what he's all about. Like like myself before the Ted fight, nobody knew what I was all about. So everyone everybody was writing me off and thought Chippman was just going to walk through me. Um. And that's exactly what people thought about Mason Cabral because nobody's heard of him. People just thought I was going to go in there and walk through him, but obviously, as as you are seen, I got put down the second round. It didn't go that way. It was a, It was a tough fight, but um, like you said, I got, I got the I got the job done. It was a close fight, but I won unanimous and I think I was the well-deserved winner.
2: Yeah, for sure, and obviously you boxed back in September as well, just a tick over fight, really, against David Benitez. You became the quickest man to stop him when you did so in round six, just to keep busy, fight Troy there.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Obviously, the deal was if Josh accepted the fight against himself, then obviously I'd I'd be boxing beforehand, and they give us two dates. One was a little bit closer than a little bit closer to obviously the the fight date. So I just thought i take this fight in. I think I, got, I had 10 days' notice. I was in the gym training. I was just obviously just a little bit heavy, so I took the fight on on short notice and just weighed in that. And weighed that, obviously, I'd never boxed up before, which was 12 stone. I think I was 12 stone something, so. Um, but, yeah, I was, obviously, I'm a true professional. I'm, I'm always in the gym. So when the call came, I, 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 could, I could obviously take that fight.
2: Yeah, I was going to say, I thought you were added kind of late. Um, Your next fight, obviously, has been announced. It's a really, really good fight. Obviously, I'm from London. I'm excited about it. Fans all over Britain are buzzing about it, but particularly in the North East. I mean, this is huge over there. You'll be boxing Josh Kelly December 2nd at the Newcastle Arena. How happy are you to have gotten it over the line finally? Because I know it's a fight that you've wanted for quite a while now, Troy. Yeah, I'm off
1: the moon, it's this fight is massive for British boxing alone, but with us both, we obviously being from up north, it's huge. Um, and I'm, yeah, I'm really happy to to get it over the line. We've had previous opponents that obviously I was. Like we had JJ Metcalf. He, he he withdrew from the first bid. So somebody I think somebody else withdrew. I I, just, I never thought obviously I'd get to defend it again. I just I thought everyone was going to keep running, but obviously Josh stepped stepped to the plate and we and now it's all finalised, and we're going to have a great fight.
2: And there was talk about the fight for quite a while before we saw it signed. Was there a delay with getting the fight signed? And if so, do you know or can you state the cause of the delay? I heard that it obviously the first the bit got um, postponed because
1: apparently he, he got a nick in his last fight. Um, and I think that's the reason why it had to be postponed because he had a cut in his last fight from what I believe.
2: Okay. Okay. And how do you actually see the fight playing out? Because, again, the style clash is very intriguing.
1: Yeah, it's um, obviously, as people might call it, it's boxer versus puncher. Um, I, I, I don't just punch. I can box as well, and you're going to see this on, on, on fight night. Um, Josh Kelly can be out box. That's what I'm looking to do. I'm uh, looking to pick it to him and box and fight when I need to.
2: And just from your perspective, Troy, not the perspective of the fans, do you see this as a bigger fight than the Ted Cheeseman fight? Is it a tougher fight? Um, I think it's definitely bigger because,
1: like you say, obviously, it's it's a huge North East derby. Tougher, I would say tougher. Um, I'm prepared for the best Josh Kelly, and I'm prepared for 12 gruelling rounds, which I always do. Do I think Josh Kelly will be in, there in the 10th, 11th, 12th round? No, I don't. But who knows? Um, we've got to wait and see.
2: And Josh Kelly, we saw him lose his O to David Avenissi, and He had a couple of good rounds in that fight. But when the tables turned on him, um, I felt, at least, that Adam Booth was very quick to throw the towel in. Um, can you take anything away from that fight, which I'm sure that you watched? Yeah, I watched the fight.
1: uh, wouldn't take nothing away from it because whether Kelly was struggling to do the way or what, I'm not. obviously, I'm not sure. And obviously, me and Avenation are completely different fighters. But if Avenation can pull him around the ring and walk him down like how he did, then obviously, what am I going to do to him? Because ammunition is tiny, I'd, I'd stand ammunition on his head. So, obviously, what would I do to Josh Kelly if he turns up against me, how he did against Avenation?
2: And obviously, this would be your second defence of the British title. A win here would mean you're only one defence away from winning it outright. Would that be your ideal next move?
1: Yeah, I'd love to win the British title outright. That's always been me. It's always been one of my goals. Um, I'm 31 now, I can't hold the weight together, so it'd be nice to get me out quickly in the new year. And yeah, I'd love to win that British title outright, which I'm very confident I will do.
2: Yes, yeah, a brilliant belt, of course. And... Um, yeah, you mentioned just there two questions ago or so. You you said you don't think Josh Kelly will be there in rounds nine and ten. Does that indicate you're predicting a stoppage win?
1: If the stoppage win comes, it, it comes. But like I said, obviously it's shown it's show in the past. I can do twelve rounds. I've done a few tens and I've done I've done a couple of twelves now. So I'm a twelve round fighter. I'm there for the long one. Um, so if it goes if it goes twelve, then I'll be there with him. But if it goes early, then yeah, I'll
2: get him out early and I want to yeah, ask I, as I well would,
1: go on, Troy, go I want to uh, looking for the
2: stoppage yeah, I yeah, never do no, for sure for sure for sure. and I want to ask you as well Troy did you catch any of the boxing at the weekend maybe Savannah Marshall being from your neck of the woods and if so what did you make of it great fights
1: yeah I watched it it was a great fight um, I predicted the Savannah Marshall win if I'm honest before the fight I wouldn't say disappointed Obviously, I was disappointed that she didn't win, but I wasn't disappointed in her performance or anything. She showed great heart, and she showed that she's a true champion. And I think just closer, she was a better, better fight on the Yeah, I have to agree.
2: And just finally, Troy, if you've got any closing words before we let you go, if there's anything I've missed, if there's anything you want to say at all, then take it away, my man. Say whatever you like. Yeah, I would
1: like to say, obviously, the tickets are uh, on public sales on Friday. You can get the tickets from yourself. Um, so you can, if you follow my me social medias, I'm on Twitter, Troy Williamson underscore. I'm on Instagram, Troy Williamson underscore one. Obviously, you can catch me on Facebook. So just type in, type my name in the search bar, get at me for tickets. It's always better to buy directly from the fighters.
2: There you go. Buy directly from Troy Williamson um, on Twitter, as you said, at Troy Williamson underscore. On Instagram, at Troy Williamson underscore as well. Um, yeah, so brilliant. If you need tickets, hit up Troy directly. How cool is that? Listen, Troy, it's always a pleasure speaking with you, my man. Best of luck for December second. Thanks for your time, and we'll speak again soon. Thank you very much, mate. Cheers, and enjoy, Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start here with this one. Zelpha Barrett steps in in place of Joe Cordina. He will be taking on Shavkats on Rakimov for that now vacant IBF Super Featherweight World title. Again, the date for that one, November 5th, it goes down in Abu Dhabi. Um, great stuff, really, for Zelpha Barrett to get a crack. You know, it's interesting. when Whenever we see him fight... Um, I enjoy his fights, you know, because I feel like he's improving all the time. But you know, Rakhamov is is a good fighter, and I'd imagine he's surely going to be the favorite. So I'm excited uh, to see that fight. There should be a good one. Elsewhere, um, it's now official. John Ryder will be taking on Zach Parker. That one to go down on, uh, on the 26th of November at the O2 Arena. It's a it's a big big. Um, fight that domestically. Obviously, there's a lot on the line. Zach Parker closing in on a world title shot now, and it's a massive domestic clash here, but a really big arena as well, the O2. Um, There's talk about the undercard. I'm not sure if anything's 100% locked in, but I think we're going to see Hamza Shiraz getting back out. Uh, We're going to see Pierce O'Leary, Dennis McCann, Sam Noakes, so it should be a decent night of boxing really there, and the tickets for that... um, I think go on sell later this month. About a week, about a week from today, I believe. Um, yeah, so that's it there. So it's going to be a great fight there, Parker and Ryder, both friends at the show. And then the final piece of news is that um, Emiliano Vargas, one of the fighting sons of Fernando Vargas, has signed a promotional contract with Top Rank. He's going to be fighting in his first card. Um, for top rank on November 12th on the undercard of Janibek Alim Kanuli against Denzel Bentley. Um, So yeah, fantastic for him to be signed with a major promoter. He's 1-0 as a pro with 1KO, 18 years of age. That's it though for the news. Moving on now to the preview part. We're going to start here with a card that goes down on Saturday. Um, That's going to be Saturday, the 22nd of October, this Saturday, at the Sportscar Dvorana in Zabok, Croatia. Over here, friend of the show, Ivana Habazin, um... Currently 20 and 4. She fights here for the vacant WBC silver welterweight title against Diana Prazak, who's 14 and 4. Over 10 two minute rounds, all the best there to Ivana. Moving out now to the Fabric Sports Hall in Frankfurt, Hessen, Germany, over here. One fight to mention, just the main event. Leon Bunn, who is 18 and 0, fights for the vacant IBO world light heavyweight title against Padraig McCrory, who's 14 and 0. Should be decent there. That's gone under the radar. Um, moving out now to Mexico at the Plaza de Toros in Mexico City. Um, it's going to be live on the Zone. We've got Maurizio Lara, twenty-four and two with a draw, getting in with Jose San Martin, who's thirty-three and five with a draw. We've also got on the undercard for the WBO NABO lightweight title, Angel Fierro, nineteen and one with two draws, getting in with Jeremy Cuevas, who's fourteen and one. Elsewhere on the undercard, we also have Reshat Matty, 12-0, supposed to be fighting for the vacant WBC Youth Silver Super Lightweight title. No opponent for him just yet. That's about it, really. And moving now to the York Hall, Bethnal Green, London over here. Mark Chamberlain, 11-0, I believe, tops the bill. He gets in with Merrill Vegas, who's 22-6 with a draw, that one for the IBF European Lightweight title. It's going to be live on BT Sport, by the way. We also have David All- uh, David Adelaide, the heavyweight prospects, 9-0 getting in with Michael Wallish. That could be a little bit spicy, may I may I say. And and it could also equally be not spicy at all. Because Michael Wallish, as we know, I've said it so many times on the show, I think he got to about 20-0, banging out all these um, you know. All these kind of subpar opponents, and then he lost by knockout to, to Christian Hammer, then lost by knockout to Efia Jagba, then lost by knockout to, to Tony Yoka, then lost by knockout to Joe Joyce, then lost by knockout to Murat Gassayev. So, like I say, 23 and 5, but all of those guys that he's lost to Joyce, Yoka, Hammer, um, Jagbar. Gassiev, They're all quite good fighters, really. I mean, let's let's be honest. They're all good fighters, and they're all much more experienced than David Adelaide, who officially is 9-0, but some people would say he should be 8-1 because a lot of people felt he didn't deserve the decision against Camille Sokolowski, but that's another story for another day. Should be good, though. Elsewhere on the card, Charles Frankham gets out. No opponent just yet. Sean Noakes as well gets out. No opponent just yet. Sonny Ali as well. Joshua Frankham. A lot of prospects really fill in the undercard. And then the final card to mention, it takes place on Saturday. Once again, all these fights that I've mentioned on the preview part are all taking place on Saturday. This one goes down at the California Education and Performing Arts Center in Ontario, California, USA. Over here, I don't think it's being televised, but we have friend of the show, Ernesto Mercado, 7-0. and 0. It's for the NABA super lightweight title, which is currently vacant. Um, we had Ernesto on. I want to say it could have been early this year or perhaps last year um, towards the late part. It was quite a while ago, but his amateur record supposedly was 278-11. and 11. So, yeah, he's, he's being fast-tracked as a pro. 7-0 and gets in with Jason Velez, who's 30-9 with a draw. Definitely pass his best now. Jason Velez was always kind of like a sturdy, you know, I guess, domestic kind of gatekeeper type guy. But... Nonetheless, it's it's a jump up for a guy who's only had seven fights. And, you know, the, the opposition that Mercado's faced thus far haven't been really near this level. And he's fighting a guy here who's a 40-fight veteran, um, who, who's always been tough, to be honest, Jason Velez. So I'm, I'm really excited to see how it's going to play out. Um, it should be noted that Velez as well... Um, has only been stopped twice in his 9 losses, to Oscar Valdez in the 10th and final round of their fight and also to Gabriel Flores in round 6 of their fight so he's generally tough, took of course Ryan Garcia the distance which not many people do took um, Jojo Diaz the distance as well, took Ronnie Rios the distance as well, so always quite quite a sturdy character and Ernesto Mercado, 7-0 and with 7 KOs, so we're going to see what happens here, it's going to be entertaining i think but anyway that wraps up the preview part of the show in part one we did the review part there was loads to go over i'm sorry if you felt it dragged then we welcomed our special guest troy williamson and in part two we did the news part and the preview part eddie didn't even have to say anything in part two but the final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro which i'll do in just a few seconds Okay, and this wraps up episode 366 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A special thank you to our special guest, the undefeated British super welterweight champion Troy Williamson. The biggest thanks of all though goes out to you, the listeners. There has been one piece of news break whilst we've been recording the show, and that's that Tyson Fury's next fight has been announced December 3rd at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium in London against Derek Chisora the trilogy fight on the undercard we'll also see daniel dubois making his first defence of his wba title against kevin lorena and more fights will be added to the undercard in the coming weeks but that's about everything from myself enjoy your weekends people stay safe and we shall see you all again next week